You know, you just couldn't trust this guy. He was always disappointing you. The first time you met him, he impressed you, for he was rugged and handsome, and man, he was smart. He was tender and sensitive with the ladies, even a good cook. Moreover, he was a wealthy man, heir to a fortune. His smile could melt icebergs, and his eyes conveyed both warmth and sincerity. He made you think that he would do anything in the world for you. But he wouldn't. It was all a facade, all just a big act. Beneath the tan and the tenderness and the smile lurked the heart of a snake. He dreamed of ways of deceiving his own father and stealing from his twin brother. His very name meant deception, trickster, the twisted one. He broke promises like a hiker breaking twigs in a forest. You just couldn't trust the guy. That is, until the Lord got a hold of him. And I mean to tell you, the Lord got a hold of him quite literally. The Lord leaped on him physically, yanked him to the ground, and wrestled with him throughout the night. I like the way Moses put it in Genesis chapter 32. Look at verses 24 through 26. It says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man with a capital M, the man, wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This morning I want to preach another sermon on seeing Jesus in Genesis. This is actually a series of sermons I've been doing on Wednesday nights in the fall. This past Sunday I preached one of these sermons to you about Jesus making a physical appearance in the book of Genesis. Last week we we looked at Jesus as Abraham's mysterious guest and there he made a pronouncement and also announcement. But you need to understand, church, that Jesus is the central theme of the Bible. Whether it's Genesis or Revelation, Jesus is right there in the beginning. He's there at the end. Jesus spins around in this book like a great wheel of 66 spokes around a hub. In fact, Jesus told the skeptics who didn't believe on him that they needed to search the Old Testament scriptures. If you believe Moses, Jesus said, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. So even here in Jesus in Genesis, we see Jesus Christ virtually on every page. And there are numerous times in the Old Testament when Jesus made a special appearance, a, a pre-incarnate appearance where he showed up in the flesh to make a declaration from God to mankind. Again, we looked at one of them last week when Abraham had that mysterious guest with, with two angels that showed up at his tent. Uh, that angel, which was none other than the Lord Jesus, made a great announcement and said, Abraham, you and your old wife Sarah are going to have a miraculous baby. And he is going to be another link in the chain that brings about the Messiah who's going to give a blessing to all the nations of the world. 
What a great announcement of the, of the coming of Jesus Christ. But along with that, he made a pronouncement. He said that everyone who rejects both Jesus and his message will face judgment. This week, I've, no, I've got another great story for, for you here in Genesis 32. It's about Jacob and his wrestling match. Now, here's the full story in a nutshell. In this chapter, Genesis chapter 32, Jacob was returning to Palestine with his family and his flocks. He, he was a, a little bit nervous because, as I implied earlier, he had previously uh, both tricked and deceived his twin brother Esau and his father. And, and Esau, his brother, tried to kill him. Several years had passed now, but Jacob didn't know if Esau had ever forgiven him. He suspected bitterness still lingered in his older brother's heart. And as he journeyed back home, he sent messengers ahead of him to see where Esau stood on all of this. When the messengers returned back to Jacob, here's what they said in Genesis 32, 6-8. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau. He is also coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. Oh, my lands. So Jacob was greatly afraid. You might underline that in your Bible. He was, he was big time afraid and distressed. And so he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and the camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will be able to escape. I'm going to go on with the story, but let me do a real quick little time out here and remind you of this. What Esau is really doing here, he is, he is, Jacob is doing, he is running from his past. Jacob is running from his past. He had, he had lied to his father, he had tricked his brother, he had sinned greatly when he was a young man, and he ran away from that. And he has been running his whole life. And now it's about 21 years later, and guess what? He's still running, and he's still afraid. The correlation with you is this. A lot of you have been running a long time. You've been running from your past thinking you can outrun the problems you left behind, but you can't. No matter where you get in that run, those problems are still right behind you. And one day you're going to have to own up to them. One day you're going to have to face them. Just like Jacob did. Well, Jacob really never had been a religious man. But he decided he better pray. <laughs> because he was in big time trouble. Another quick time out. You know some people only pray when they are in trouble. Do you know that? Let me repeat that because some of you weren't listening. Some of you only pray when you're in trouble. Hmm? And that really seems to be a, a pattern in Jacob's life. Notice, however, how he addressed God when he did pray. Now, he was scared to death. He was in great distress. If I would have been him, I would have been crying out to the Lord. I'd have said, oh, my God, help me. Oh, my Lord, help me. But that's not exactly how he prayed. Look, look at verses 9 through 12. Then Jacob said, O God of my father, Abraham. O God of my father, Isaac. Now, now, he knew that Jehovah was the God of his father. He knew that Jehovah was the God of his grandfather. But apparently, Jehovah wasn't his God. So he said, O God of my father, Abraham. O God of my father, Isaac. The Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. 
For I crossed over this Jordan with only my staff, and now I've come back with two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. Lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for the multitude. And then out of fear, Jacob began to make some preparations as nightfall stole over the desert. And then we have what I believe to be one of the most unusual scenes in all of Scripture. That night... Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 sons, and they crossed the ford of the Jabbok River. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So everyone was across the river except for Jacob, and he was left there alone. And the Bible says all of a sudden this man appeared out of nowhere and wrestled with Jacob all night long until break of day. Now, I said in the first service, uh, uh, back when I was in high school, we didn't have uh, wrestling as a sport, but we did get to do it in PE, and man, I really enjoyed it. I, I like to get out there on the mat and, and wrestle up with some guys and learn those moves and flipping people over and trying to pin them. Man, it's, it's a pretty cool thing, wrestling back in those young days, and boy, I wished I could still wrestle today. Wrestling matches are hard, though. They only go three periods. That's what they call them, three periods. Uh, for little kids like y'all's boy Matthew, they, those periods only last one minute. But boy, he's expending a whole lot of energy in one minute, isn't he? If you're in high school or middle school, the rounds are, are two minutes long. If you're a collegiate or professional, it lasts for three minutes. Well, not professional. Those guys just put on a show. I don't, that's a whole different thing, man. Remember wrestling when you was a little kid watching on TV? My, my dad and I would watch it all the time. We liked the midgets that, that got out there and wrestled. Or, or the coolest part is when the women got out there and wrestled. Yeah, I better quit. Angie gave me the eye right there. Let me tell you, Miss Angie was a big-time wrestling fan. Did y'all know that? Really, I think she almost missed her calling. She could have been a, a, a pro-women. Well, I better shut up. I better, I'm really about to get in trouble. Jason, we're talking real wrestling, though, right? Real wrestling. These the three periods, at the most, they only go three minutes. But let me tell you, you are expending a great deal of energy during that. And at the end of three rounds of wrestling, you're dead tired, man. You are. You've expended a lot of energy. I can't imagine wrestling all night long. Can you? I mean, how many of you have ever wrestled before, right? A few of you, at least all of you have wrestled, and I'll get to that here in just a little bit, all right? When the man, okay, when the heavenly wrestler saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with him. Then the man, capital M, the heavenly wrestler said, Let me go, for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I'm not going to let you go. Unless you bless me. The man then asked him, what is your name? And Jacob replied, my name is Jacob. And then notice what happens in verse 28. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but your name shall be called Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, 
Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Penel. For he said, I have seen God face to face and my life has been preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Now guys, this is a bizarre story that is found in Scripture that seems like it really doesn't even belong in the Bible. And if you accept the fact that this heavenly wrestler was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself in a special pre-Bethlehem, pre-incarnate appearance, then it seems even more strange. I mean, have you ever in your wildest imaginations pictured Jesus Christ leaping out of the darkness, jerking a man to the ground, then rolling around all night long in a knockdown, drag out, free for all wrestling match, exchanging headlocks and twists, spinning toe holds and takedowns? I mean, really? Is that the way you picture Jesus? You know the truth? This is something Jesus Christ does quite frequently. I'm, I'm here to tell you, church, he's wrestled me to the ground a few times. I'm here to tell you, I can tell you stories about him having me in a headlock before and a spinning toehold. I can tell you times when he has pinned me to the ground. And as I read this passage again this past week, I, I could identify pretty strongly with Jacob. There's three rounds in this wrestling match in Genesis chapter 32. And I think they perfectly illustrate how the Lord works in our lives. So you ready for round one? Round number one is this. Jacob wrestled with God and lost. Jacob wrestled with God and lost. Now, the two combatants seemed fairly evenly matched. I told first service, I was in, uh, I was in the Rock yesterday, Little Rock, watching the, the 6A state championship game against uh, two teams that I am very familiar with, the Greenwood Bulldogs and the Pine Bluff Zebras. And I'm telling you what, those two teams were pretty evenly matched. Both of them had a perfect 12-0 season. They both are great teams, coached by great coaches. And I'm telling you what, it was a, a knockdown drag out, mouth-smacking football game. Right, guys? These boys right here on that team, they played. It was a great game. The only thing I hate about it is that Pine Bluff won by seven points. 28-21. Broke my heart. If there was a game I wanted Greenwood to win this year, it was against the Pine Bluff Zebras. But anyway, they were well-matched teams. And as I read Genesis chapter 32, I, I think the combatants seem really evenly matched. I mean, they wrestled all night long going back and forth. I suppose the Lord allowed it that way as to wear Jacob down. But there's also another possibility here. I suppose it's also possible that the Lord, and I believe, listen, I believe it was Jesus himself wrestling with Jacob that night. I believe the Lord Jesus laid aside his supernatural, infinite, glorious might to wrestle in the simple human strength that he would later possess as a mortal human being. You remember reading the Gospels about Jesus? 
I mean, they tell us Jesus was just a normal man of flesh and, and bone. Jesus grew tired and weary. He grew hungry and thirsty. He fell asleep from exhaustion on the raging sea. Understand this, in the scripture, when he was born as a baby, he was not born as Superman. He was a normal man just like us. And even though I believe Jesus was in excellent condition, he worked a construction job the first 30 years of his life and he walked everywhere he went. He was in great shape, but he was no superman. He was quite ordinary as far as his humanity was concerned. And if he laid aside all that heavenly glory and, and just wrestled Jacob on his own human strength I think these two guys were were pretty well matched in fact it says here that the two men wrestled until daybreak and the heavenly wrestler was not able to prevail until right before daybreak he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and put his hip out of joint have you ever had your hip out of joint I haven't either, and I don't want, Wes has back there, it hurts, doesn't it? I mean, that big time hurt. I mean, Jacob was really hurting. It immobilized him. He touched him with pain. He conquered him. Some of you in this room have been struggling with God for a long time. You've been wrestling with God. Let me tell you something, Listen, look at me. You can't win. You've been wrestling with God a long time just like Jacob. You can't win. You're here today saying, you know what, okay, I'll concede. I'll go to church and I'll try to live a good life. But I'm really not going to get serious about this Christianity thing because I have my own agenda. I've got my own dreams, my own plans. I have a whole lot of my own habits that I am not willing to give up. And so I'm not going to turn them over to Jesus. I'm going to live life the way I want to live life. And you're struggling with God. You're wrestling with God. You can't win. I don't care what it is you're wrestling with. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe the Lord has told you, you don't need to have a relationship with that person. But you're wrestling against God because you want that relationship that is not in His will. And you're in a wrestling match with God. You can't win. Maybe it's your career. You're wrestling with God with, with, with what, what you want to do instead of what He wants you to do. Or maybe the calling He's put on your life. I can tell you story after story of people I know in my own family who have wasted their whole life wrestling against God. I tell you, you can't win, man. You're wrestling with the Almighty. You can't be victorious. And here's one last thing I want to tell you about that. And you're not going to like it, but I've got to tell you the truth. Sometimes the Lord has to hurt us to help us. Sometimes he has to get our old hip out of socket and hurt us to wake us up and help us. Now, if I hadn't already made you mad, here, here's where I'd make you mad. Don't you like it when I tell you you're about to get mad at me? You know, you know who, the, who the, the, really the world's worst is about all this is, is parents. Because we love our kids, don't we? I mean, we love our kids. We do anything in the world for our kids. We provide for We want our kids to have it better off than we had it. You know what? Sometimes we take that to the extreme, and we're always bailing our kids out of trouble. They get in trouble, we bail them out. They get in trouble, we bail them out. They get in trouble, we bail them out. You know, we're really doing our kids a great disservice 
after we bail them out for the second time. Sometimes we just need to leave those kids in that trouble and let them bail themselves out. Let them realize and recognize, you know what, I've dug this hole, I'm going to have to get myself out of it. And there are consequences for the bad choices that I make. That hurts. You know what, sometimes through that pain, we grow up and we become better people. Sometimes the Lord has to hurt us to help us. And if you're wrestling against the Almighty today, mark it down. Understand this. I don't, it doesn't matter really how hard-headed we are. Try to get this through our thick skulls. We ain't going to win. We can't be victorious over him. Jacob wrestled with God and lost. Round number two. Jacob clung to God and won. This is pretty cool. Verse 25 says, When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And so what did Jacob do? Well, he could no longer wrestle with him. I mean, he was, he was, he was in pain. His fight was gone because the pain was shooting through him like, like a liquid fire. And so the only thing Jacob could do because he couldn't fight anymore is cling on to the one who had caused him all that pain. David, I've tried to visualize this in my mind, this wrestling match. And I, I can't really get it, get it clearly pictured. But, but here I see the, the Lord Jesus knocking Jacob's hip out. And he's in pain. He's wrenching in pain. But he's clinging on to the Lord. He's holding on. And I don't know where he was holding, Ken. Maybe he was holding on to his leg. But he was holding on to Jesus. And he wouldn't let. Maybe he was holding his arm. Or... Maybe even around his waist. He was holding on to the Lord though. And he wouldn't let him go. He was clinging on to the one who had subdued him. When the Lord finally subdues, subdues our stubborn, self-centered, willful pride and humbles us. We finally recognize him for who he really is. And it makes us want to cling on to him for a blessing. And so the blessing came. Let me go, the man said, for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. Then the man says, well, your name is no longer going to be called Jacob. I'm going to give you a new name, Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But, but he replied, why, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. Let me tell you something, folks. When you cling on to Jesus, when you won't let go of Jesus, even after you struggled with him and even after he's hurt you, if you hang on to him, he'll bless you. Just don't let go of Jesus. Just keep clinging on to him. Keep hanging on to him because he is our hope. Jacob wrestled with God, lost. He clung to God and won. Round number three, Jacob limped from God and served. Verses 30 and 31, so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. And just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. He walked away limping. He was a different man. He was limping, but he had never walked taller. He was in great pain, but he had never been happier his stubborn self-destructive pride had been broken 
And he was now free to serve God in true humility. Let me tell you something, folks. This is the turning point in Jacob's life. This is when he became a man. A man of God. You know what? I could recount several stories to you this morning of people that I know who've wrestled with God and lost, who've clung to God and won, and who have limped away and served. But I'm going to end with one story. Because I'll tell you what, it's just as bizarre to me as this story in Genesis chapter 32. It happened in 1996. I was pastoring the Collin Creek Pre-Will Baptist Church in Plano. It was a Wednesday night. I had entered the building. Nobody else was there. I'd unlocked the front doors. And there was a little entry area between the front doors and then the main doors to the the worship center. We had a multi-purpose room that was a gym and a fellowship hall and a worship center all together. And, and I was in there kind of getting things ready for the midweek prayer meeting and, and service that we had. Nobody in the building but me. I heard the door open. I just happened to look up as I saw this man walk in. He was fairly short, had a cool flat top haircut, maybe in his early 60s. Kind of a distinguished looking man, well dressed, fit. Walked in and I stuck my hand out and said, hey, my name's Will. He shook my hand and said, my name's Lloyd. Do you happen to be the pastor here? I said, yes sir, sure am. He said, do you mind if I take a few of your minutes? I, I have a story I want to share with you. I said, sure. So I just pulled up some chairs and we sat down and and he told me his story. I'll make a long story really short. He had grown up in West Virginia. And as a boy, his grandmother took him to church every Sunday. Guess, guess what kind of church his grandmother took him to? The Free Will Baptist Church. We happened to be the only Free Will Baptist Church in Plano. So you know why he came to my church. That was his history. Let me tell you something, folks. N never forget the verse that says, Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old... They'll remember that, won't depart from it. Well, he grew up going to church with his grandmother, but as soon as he got out of the house, boy, he left that way of life. He joined the army, served overseas, went to college, got an education, became an engineer, made a whole lot of money. But he said, Will, I was a sinner. You can't imagine all the wicked things I've done in my life. You just think of anything that is vile and wicked and sinful. He said, I've been there and I've done that. I've hurt a lot of people and I've hurt myself. I said, well, Lloyd, what brings you here? He said, well, a few weeks ago I went to the doctor and, and they did exploratory surgery on me after that. I've got cancer. He said, it's all over my body. I have no hope. I'm going to die. He said, at first I got real mad at God. And then I came to my senses and thought to myself, now why would I be mad at God? I haven't been living for God. There's no reason to be mad at God. And he realized what I need to do is find peace with God. He said, that's what brings me here. You know, I went to a Free Will Baptist church when I was a little kid and I heard the good news. I'm I'm back at a Free Will Baptist Church and I want to be saved. And so we knelt right there on that Wednesday night and I prayed a prayer and he 
he prayed the prayer and invited Jesus into his heart. The next Sunday, I baptized him. Right after that, anytime the doors of our church were open, guess who the first man was there? Who was there? Brother Lloyd. He's right there, eager to learn, eager to serve, eager to become involved. But you know, it wasn't long where I saw that the cancer was getting to him and he really slowed down and then it got to where he couldn't come to church. And after a few weeks, I went over to his house to see him. I hadn't seen him in about two, maybe two and a half weeks. And when I knocked on the door, his wife answered. Now, she wasn't, she wasn't real happy with me. His, his wife wasn't happy with any of this. And she looked at me and said, if you want to talk to him, he's on the back porch that way. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> I found my way to the back porch. It's summertime in Plano. I don't know, it's close to 100 degrees outside. But there, there Lloyd was sitting in the lawn chair. He had his pajamas on and a, and a blanket over him. And, man, just in two weeks' time, he had lost at least 50 pounds, skin and bones. And as we talked, he kept coughing, had a white handkerchief. And every time he coughed, I noticed he was spitting blood up. He apologized and said, I'm sorry you have to see this, Pastor. He said, but I'm dying. And he said this, I'm dying. But I've never been happier in my life. I fought God all those years. But I have peace now. Hmm. He said, I'm going to die here in a few weeks. Will you preach my funeral? (laughs) I said, Lloyd, I'd be happy to preach your funeral. He says, now here's here's the only instruction I'm going to give you. There are going to be hundreds of people at my funeral. They will come. They will come. I want them to hear my story. You tell them how I came to know Jesus and how he changed my life. Well, I prayed with Lloyd, left. Not long after that, I went to North Carolina to preach revival. And when I was in North Carolina preaching the revival, I got the phone call that Lloyd had passed away. His wife said, He wants you to preach the funeral. You know that, don't you? And I said, yes, ma'am, and I'll be there. I left the revival early, got back to preach the funeral, and the chapel in Plano was full. People lining all the walls, people in the yard outside. They put speakers out there so that they could hear. Packed house. And I got to tell them Lloyd's story of how he wrestled with God for 60 years. How he clung to Jesus at the end. And how he served him until he died. Some of you in this room have been wrestling with God. You've been fighting the Lord. In fact, you're wrestling with God right now because he's convicting your heart, telling you, You need to come and receive me as your Savior. And you're still resisting that. You're still fighting that. You can't win. So why don't you cling to him? Because when you grab a hold of him, he'll bless you. He'll change you. He'll transform you. And you might limp out of here 
but you'll have peace in your heart and joy in your life. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help my friends today who need to come to you. There's someone in this room who needs to be saved today, Lord, and I pray that they would come and receive you as their Savior. Lord, there are others who are fighting you. They're struggling with you. They're, they're fighting the Almighty, and I see that. I know that. I know that about there. There are others who are fighting you, and I don't know anything about it, Lord, but, but a lot of us in this room are in a wrestling match with God. I pray, dear Lord, that today we would just quit fighting and we would ask you to bless us because you've got a blessing for each one of us. Lord, help us to come in simple faith for, for that person who is away from you and struggling in sin. Lord, Lord, help them to come home today. For those who just have issues in their life that they're struggling with, may they bring them to you today, Lord. And quit fighting. Lord, do something amazing. Do something amazing in this room, just like you did on the south side of the fort of the Jabbok River in Genesis 32. Lord, touch our hearts and change our lives. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. These guys are going to sing. I invite you to...